Welcome to the Act 4 Podcast, your go-to post-movie podcast. It's a podcast about movies. My name's Peyton. We got Connor over here. Hey, how you doing? And we got Joe in the corner. Hi. <laughs> that was so, like... <laughs> Hi. Today Hi, we're hello. talking about we're Rogue One. We're talking about Rogue One. It's a very good movie. <laughs> yes, that's... This is intro. We're talking about Rogue One. No, we're good. We're, we're not cutting this. This, this, is, this is great. What are you talking about? All right. We're talking about Rogue One. Uh, we finished the Skywalker Saga last week. This is what happens when we're back together. And we're now we're talking true. about we got the weird anthology films. right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, originally, there were going to be three anthology films. Rest in peace, Kenobi. And then uh, they, they cut that one after Solo, which we'll talk about next week. But the first anthology film uh, was really good. Um, so that's what we're talking about today, Rogue One. Um, this is like one of Joe's favorite movies ever. Joe, why is this one of your favorite movies ever? First of all, chill. It's one of my favorite Star Wars movies ever. I'm not going super crazy. None of the Star Wars movies are like my favorite movies ever. Just gonna make that very clear. But <laughs> okay. I mean, you put in words in my mouth, so. Well, you talk about this movie like it's one of your favorite movies ever, even if you've true. never explicitly said that. You it's just you because do really like this movie. I talk about this movie a lot because we have to talk about Star Wars a lot because that's what we've been doing this entire summer. That is mm-hmm. true. I'll give him that. Facts. And I'd say this is, I'm not going to say it's the best Star Wars movie, but it's probably my favorite and like the most rewatchable for me. Okay. Okay. So why, so what makes it like the most rewatchable to you? I think the smaller scale of the story makes it, that's what contributes most to the rewatchability for, for me mm-hmm. and that it's focused a lot on characters and it's like a lot of people that you don't know so you don't have like when you're watching other movies you're like always judging based off of like relationships with like families and stuff like that and like there's all these like interconnecting um, lineages and stuff yeah and star wars yeah star wars and with this with this it's kind of just like a fresh take to where like you don't know any of these people like right off the bat Mm -hmm. and like you don't know their stories so like having it just start off brand new at the beginning of this movie is super nice yeah it's i think it's nice because it's it's a very standalone movie you you mm-hmm. don't you could watch this movie and not have seen any other star wars and it still be perfectly fine like you don't need anything else for this one to make sense it's nice if you've seen the other ones because then like references and stuff are a little bit more meaningful but this movie you could just show to someone who's never seen a star wars movie and it'd be perfectly fine mm-hmm. and then like the plot's really easy to follow which i like the whole movie is them getting ready to go and try to steal these plants and it's very clearly stated that that's the goal of this movie and where it's headed the entire time and then they go and steal the plants and then they just go and do it and i think when you have a plot that that's that is that simplistic it gives the characters and their relationship and the relationships and their interactions a lot of room to breathe and like work together Mm -hmm. and stuff like that in which is why it's so effective, especially when you have this group of people that you've never met before. But right. also, I want to say, too, that like the simple plot doesn't make it a simple movie, mm-hmm. um, which is a, a good difference. Because like, um, other movies have like a pretty straightforward plot, but like it's just they're, they're, they need to do this, so they do that thing, and then they need to do this, and they do that thing. And it's just like there's not a lot of stakes. Whereas with this movie, it's like the stakes grow as the movie goes on. Even though they have one continuous goal, the stakes 
keep growing as the movie goes on. And I think that's done really well in that, like, if, if the movie was just like, hey, we got to go do this thing, and then they just go and do that thing, that'd be really boring, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it is it is one continuous plot, um, but the stakes grow more and more as the movie goes on, and it's I think it does that really well. I want to say, this movie felt really fast to me. Like, it's a two-hour movie, like every single other. Like, every other Star Wars movie is. Mm-hmm. It's a long movie, but I was like... It feels short. Oh, yeah. Compared to the other ones. Like, we were we were already ready to go, and they were already getting ready to blow up... Uh, blow up i forgot the name of the planet that's unfortunate what are you talking about yeah i'm talking about the end of the movie <laughs> like i was watching oh. the movie and then all of a sudden boom we were already there and i was like oh okay well weren't you like half asleep you might have just slept through uh, part of the movie probably right <laughs> <laughs> i think i think it kind of contributes to the fact that if you know where this movie takes place and that it is set in between two bigger stories and this is a small little piece of it that that pacing makes sense yeah mm-hmm. that it's something that's being fit in and like is kind of being like shoehorned in like after the fact of like the grander story that we know to where in terms of Star Wars i mean this movie is the opening crawl of episode 4 yes. and the opening crawl is what 30 seconds long mm-hmm. so I mean, it's not exactly that's the reason for the pacing, but I think it contributes to it to where when it is a story that's very linear in its plot to where it's going from point A to point B in its storytelling, the pacing is good. Yeah, and but also the movie's not afraid to slow down, which is something that Rise of Skywalker suffered a lot from in that Rise of Skywalker was afraid to slow down. It Like, after Chewie's death... The movie could have slowed down and made you really wallow in that for a minute and like feel the impact, but they don't. They just keep going, and it was very fast. Like this movie's fast, but it's not afraid to slow down at the emotional beats and make you like think and like resonate with the characters, and then it picks back up, which I think is smart. Like, I think good movies have a balance between um, fast the fast pacing, but balancing that out with moments of like just just slower moments where you can really connect with what the characters are feeling and i think it does that well yeah i definitely agree with that Mm -hmm. i have to agree so let's let's talk about the movie now like uh the good stuff what what do we like about rogue one i'm a very big fan of the intro of this movie where krennic comes down and is like hey we need you back and like we don't care if you're done and don't want to be a part of this anymore like you're coming back. you're coming back no matter what mm-hmm. and they're like oh we're gonna make your family comfortable and everything like that but they know that that's not true mm-hmm. and that what they're doing is evil and is the empire and it's not good and everything like that and then right off the back i absolutely love krennic as a character i think he's really like him and Jin like the fact that they're connected, but they've never really met and never meet until the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. But they're so, like, Jen's entire life and the struggle of her entire life is directly related to Krennic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Krennic doesn't really know that she's, the path that she's on until he meets her at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. And it all begins when he takes her parents at the well he takes her dad and then kills her mom at the beginning yeah. and i think just setting that up and setting jen up as a child 
mm-hmm. was a very effective way to start the movie. <laughs> Just when you said a child, I thought of the vine. The a child, a child no. no. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't want to like bring it up because I was like, oh, that doesn't fit in here. We're talking about a a sad part of the movie at the very beginning. But that's what I thought of when you just said a child. But yeah, the movie starts out, um, it like it it gets into it. It doesn't explain anything that's happening. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, there's people. They're showing up. They're trying to take this family. We don't really know why. The mom and the daughter are trying to escape. The mom is stupid. Comes back. Tries the daughter runs away. Oh, Lyra. Yeah, she. Yeah. I. I don't know oh, why Lyra. she just didn't run off with Jin. Like, you just go hide. Oh, look, Lyra. Back from the dead, a miracle. <laughs> yeah, the the movie starts out really cool. the The planet, like I don't even know what the name of the planet is, but it's a cool looking little oh, it is place. Like with the, I mean, it looks like it's his own planet. What do you he, mean? He don't got anybody else on that planet. Well, I mean, it's just like that part. Yeah. Like if you lived out on a farm that was like really big, it, it would look the same the same yeah, way. He was right. just on a farm. I mean, it right. was just his property. <laughs> and then she's in prison. Which is, it's kind of a cool reveal. Like, I was watching it, I forgot that she, like, started out in prison. And so, like, you just see her wake up. And then it's, like, revealed that, oh, she's got a roommate. Oh, she's in a cell. Oh, there goes a stormtrooper. (laughs) And it's, like, ever since Saw Gerrera came and got her out of, like, the hole that she was hiding and stuff like that. Like, she's been on the run, getting into trouble and all this stuff Mm -hmm. her entire life. And, like, that's what her life has been this entire time. And then... From there, you have Bodhi, and then he gets sent by Galen to come out and to deliver the message that there's Dissol. the weakness. Huh? To Saul. Yeah, he's yeah, delivering the message to Saul Guerrero. And then that's when, like, the, like, real plot of, like, where everything starts getting set in motion of we need the plans because we are now aware that there's this weakness. Yeah. And then we have Cassian. And then Cassian's like, intro in the I, ring yeah. in the ring of Kaffreen, the trading post. I really yeah. enjoy. I really enjoy. Uh, the trading Cassian. post is a really cool um, yes, set set piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really enjoy Cassian's intro, where he just straight up shoots a guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then bolts out of there. Yeah, like the movie like really starts to pick up to where like we get started slowly getting introduced to all of our characters that are gonna make up this crew at the that. Mm-hmm. But we don't know how they like. We don't know how they all end up together. We, we're yeah. getting introduced to all of them, but it's like, all right, well, how how are they all gonna fit? So one thing I really like. I know this is coming out of order, but like he he kills that guy and then runs away. But later in the movie, he's like, we've all done terrible things for the for the rebels or the alliance. Mm-hmm. Is what do they call it the alliance at this point? I think so. I think sometimes so, they yeah. call it the alliance. Sometimes they call it the rebellion. The rebellion. It's the same thing. So that's all that you really need to know there. But I, I thought that was like an interesting little thing for Cassian. Mm-hmm. One thing that like I really liked in this film, and like I'm not like we're gonna kind of I guess we're just gonna bounce around a little bit because that's kind of how we did with Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Um, so I really like I don't know their names, but the the blind dude and Machine, machine Gun Kelly hit that dude. <laughs> he's he's got the he's got the machine gun, bro. He's got like the machine laser thing like on his back. It's Chirrut Chirrut. I don't know their Cheer name. It. Cheer it. and beige. And beige, yeah. Beige. Yeah, it's just the blind guy and long-haired dude. Yeah. Is I think they're really cool characters. Um, their interactions with each other are really funny, and they crack me up. Because, like, they're, like, on the same side, but, like, they obviously aren't, like, that close to each other. Like, they're, they're in kind of, like, this weird, like, 
symbiotic relationship that they're he's there the the machine gun dude is there to like protect he, he's there like watching the blind guy's back but he doesn't understand him at all and the blind guy's there just like providing wisdom and stuff and it's like just like this really weird relationship but like and, and you can tell that um bays or whatever old machine gun guy that he he thinks that the blind guy is like crazy just a like, little bit <laughs> off his rocker just and, a little bit and he, and but then by the end of the movie they have like the really cool like i think they have a really like a nice character arc where like he comes around to being like you know believing in the force and it's mm-hmm. like kind of a cool like the the character arcs in this movie are actually all pretty good given that they're one movie character arcs and there's so many characters they they manage it pretty well. You called it like a weird relationship. I think they're just friends. Like I think they're, they're just like friends. Really close yeah. well, friends. I don't think they well because I didn't think they it, they didn't strike me as being that close. Like I think the way I saw them is they were more like coworkers, but they weren't like best friends. And now they've started hanging out more since the temple got taken over. But like I don't know. Like, I they the didn't way, seem that close. The way at the end after he dies that he just goes on a rampage. And he's like, uh, yeah, like that seems to me like they were Yeah, they, I think they were growing close since the temple got taken over by the Empire. But I think that like, I don't think they're like BFFs because they totally don't understand each other. That's why I think they're like co-workers who have been becoming closer because they were like guardians of the temple, right? Before the temple got taken over and then they were out on the streets and then they were just trying to like survive together, you know? So I don't I think they're I don't think I mean, they're like, like BFFs. I do. I think that's maybe what I mean. I don't think they're like best friends. I think they're pretty good friends. I think they're pretty good friends. That's not what I got from watching it, but I think they're like really good friends, but like Bay still doesn't get like his whole like obsession and like craze with like the force and stuff like that. Yeah. He definitely thinks he's a little crazy. Yeah. I mean But then you... like like you were saying, like there's character arc and character development. So like towards the end when he sees him like make the sacrifice and stuff like that at the end of the movie that he like understands that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the the blind dude, super cool. Yeah, oh, he's yeah. like one of my favorite characters. He's so he, cool. like like every once in a while he'll just like start going like sicko mode on people. He really did. He like did he took did. out so many stormtroopers. He's yes. he's he's the toff of this movie. Hey, like one hundred percent. Hey, but like the thing is, is, is he didn't even take them out. The stormtroopers took each other out. Yeah, he's just mm-hmm. he's just redirecting where they're shooting. Yeah, he's giving them good aim. Yeah, and then well, though. and then the moment where and all the other guys come up and. Machine gun dude. I want to call him Machine Gun Kelly, but <laughs> the machine gun dude just comes up and he just blasts them all, and he's like, and he's like, the force saved me. He's like, no, I saved you. Yeah. He goes, but the force sent you to to be with me, which makes me think that they're not that close, because the way they said like the force brought them together. I think they've grown close over a short amount of time, but I don't think that they've been close for a long time. Eh. Boom, roasted. I think that was more of them just like having like playful banter yeah they do I, I, around. regardless i like those two characters yeah, really they have good. a cool dynamic together the two i like k i like k's introduction him yeah. uh when jen's running off the truck congratulations <laughs> you're, being you're being saved re- congratulations. Yeah. you're being rescued you're being rescued that was one of the few notes i took was congratulations you're being rescued please do not resist <laughs> uh but he's he's a really funny character and just a overall swell guy <laughs> <laughs> i i really like uh, when when Jin blasts the security robot and and then k2so walks around the corner and it's like did, did, did you know, you know that, that wasn't me <laughs> and she goes yeah 
Yeah, of course. <laughs> or the... It's just such a funny moment. The, do you know the probability of her shooting with you? It's high. high. Very, Very high. high. <laughs> Maybe like, we should K- just keep talking like, about characters. Like, just has, like... He has a good amount of little... He has a good amount of sass to him. He does. Mm-hmm. He's got that... He's got that sass. I'll give you that. It was interesting. Um, it was one of the choices they made where um, the actor, um, Alan Tudyk, he did motion capture for all of K2SO. Mm-hmm. And even though he doesn't really have, like, facial expressions or anything like that, like, by design, mm-hmm. they still had him do motion capture for, like, gestures and, like, hand movements and stuff like that because that was, like, the vocal performance that he was doing was, like, making jokes and being humorous and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So that's why they wanted him to do the motion capture for it, even though it wasn't, like, for facial movements and stuff like that. It was a mm-hmm. cool creative decision. Yeah. I, yeah. I would have to agree with that. His, like, it's just very funny. Everything yeah, about he's really K. good. He's probably like I'd say he's like it's hard to say he's my favorite droid in like all of Star Wars because like I feel like all the droids so are many, really solid. I like are there any droids that you dislike in Star like, Wars? We never even really talked about it in last week's episode, but like even like Dio, like the new one that they mm-hmm. introduced yeah. in Rise, is really funny. Like he's still pretty great. Like I liked his design. Like it's cool. No, 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 thank you. Yeah, like, he's really polite. <laughs> he's so funny. Uh, I would have to say, for a droid that's not solid, nah. Couldn't, hey, I'm gonna be honest with you, nothing beats my gonk droid. The gonk droid is is the best droid in the, all of Star the, Wars. The trash can droid? Gonk. <laughs> yes. But I feel, like, I feel like all the droids in Star Wars are all, like, pretty solid. Like, the ones that get main roles like we'll talk about it next week in solo like there's the the droid in that one yeah I, you're right l l3, l3. yeah who's i think is a really good character um kind of annoying at times but a good character nonetheless yeah but yeah, yeah. the droids at are solid times annoying. um who who's we haven't talked about the pilot i guess we're kind of going through all the characters so yeah we talked a little bit the, about the pilot, the pilot he's he's kind of a cool character he doesn't get developed as much as everybody else he yeah he's definitely more in the background but i that's one thing i like is that even him as like a smaller character in like the third act when all the tension's getting built up and it's like they're getting to the point to where the empire's catching on to what they're doing and what's going on and there's so many of them that mm-hmm. they're eventually going to get overrun and beat and the stakes just keep raising and the tension keeps rising that even a character like him that hasn't been developed that much still has this like essential role to where like mm-hmm. if he doesn't connect the line and get them connected to whatever the they got to connect to the yeah. comm system the, the and com- stuff com- like that and they can't reach the people that are outside the shields to let them know that that, that shield needs to come down or else this is all a bust like I mean, they were kind of already trying to attack the shield. Yeah, but now they knew that like that's that was the number that needs to be the number one priority. Yeah, and they even give him like that's so essential to where like there's so many the amount of pieces and things that needed to have perfectly to for them to get these plans for the original trilogy to even happen. Like, that's something to where, like, the stakes are built up so well in this movie just based off of what we have in this movie. But then, like you were saying, having extra Star Wars knowledge to know what this means mm-hmm. and, like, what these plans are mm-hmm. just raise the stakes even more for these characters, even though you know they're going to succeed. And that's one, of, yeah. that's one of the things I love about this movie the most is that 
it makes characters that you don't know before by the end of the movie you really care about them and it makes the audience feel tension even though you know they're gonna win mm-hmm. but you also know that they're gonna die like you know the plans are well, going to get like they're gonna get the plans but you know they're gonna die yeah that's what long that's long lines what i'm saying is that like you it makes their deaths effective to the audience and they you care about the the characters even though you know that they're never going to show up ever again. Well, like this uh, is it. This is the what we first have time. So the first time that I saw this movie watching in theaters, I didn't know they were going to die because I wasn't, I wasn't thinking about it. I was just like, I knew what the goal was. Like I knew they were getting the plans, but I was like, I assumed some of them were going to die, but I didn't know they were all going to die. And then they all died. I was like, Oh, well, okay. You know, but then like <laughs> afterwards you like think about it and it's like, none of these people are like resistance heroes that keep yeah. fighting throughout yeah, and then Four, it makes sense. But like, yeah, really I didn't go into the sense. movie thinking they were all gonna die. I think some people did, but like, I I didn't go into the movie being like all all the characters are gonna die. I didn't really know what to expect going into this movie. Whenever I watched it in theaters, I didn't know if it was gonna be good or not. I was like, I didn't have a clue. I was kind of in that same like area, like going in and stuff like that. I love that it feels way more grounded in like the war side of Star Wars, mm-hmm. and isn't really caught up in like the big lore of like what everything else is and that's kind of going back to what i was saying like smaller that's what, scale that's why i really like the anthologies is that they are just movies like the anthologies are a little different because they're directly tied to specific events or characters but they're movies set in the star wars universe that are kind of like isolated stories from the grander story that we have in the skywalker saga and that's what i really like about the mandalorian is that it's just like it's a cool story set in the universe, which That's is why I was about to bring which up. is why I'm super excited for the future of Star Wars, like the the trilogies and movies that we're going to have in the future that have nothing to do with the Skywalker stuff because like then you're not stuck having to complete this story. You can tell all new stories and it's set in the world and I think the world of Star Wars is the coolest part. There's good characters, but I think the world is the best part of Star Wars. You know what I'm excited about for new movies? I know this is completely off track, but like, now we actually get an order. I think that's gonna be a lot, a lot cooler, having them in, in order, so you get better reveals. I'm talking about, just oh yeah, just like, to... just like in general, we're gonna get a new trilogy. Yeah. And we're not gonna know anything that happens really before or after it because it's gonna be so mm-hmm. far away from everything else we've seen. And we yeah. don't need prequels. Yeah. Like it's gonna just be isolated stories, which is great. And like that's one of like the best things about. Star Wars in general is that with the movies that he did and the characters that he did, Lucas built this world that has inspired so many other people and has so many other directors and writers and movie makers and stuff like that thinking of ideas of what can I think of that makes sense to be in this Mm -hmm. universe and in this galaxy and in this place that is Star Wars and it's going to just open the floodgates for so many new stories and stuff to come out that are all based in this mm-hmm. ideas. Yeah, it's going to be mm-hmm. cool. We should keep talking about Rogue One, though. Yeah, we should. <laughs> hey, we should get back into the movie. What? We need to get back into the movie. That's what I said. We should get back to Rogue One. I know. I was agreeing with your point Oh, there, okay. Pete. It sounded like you were... One more character okay. we have to talk about before we get off of characters, because that was kind of a thing we did for a while. Okay. Is Saw Gerrera. Okay. Because it shows a cool side to... The rebellion and like the like the rebel alliance stuff like that, where you have like this idea of like extremist, mm-hmm. which I think is really really interesting and really cool that they explored that to show that 
because all you see of the Rebel Alliance in the other movies is like unity. It's you just see, you unity see the one side like of that. it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it makes sense that there's people that believed in the cause, but they believed in taking more extreme measures or believed in it even more than the other people. Mm-hmm. Like it makes sense that that would happen because that's that's what happens in the real world. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was about to say. I was like, if you just look at like politics in the United States and stuff like that, like people have opinions and then people are like super crazy with those same opinions, but want to do like they they just have craziness. more extreme views. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they like because it's like there's a spectrum to what you believe, mm-hmm. and you've got like in in Star Wars you've got. On one side, you've got, um, you want the Empire to control everything, which is, like, very, like, you know, government-heavy. And you've got the Rebellion, they want, like, a democracy. And you've got, like, further of from the, from the democratic side and wanting democracy and wanting peace and all that stuff from that side. Like, you've got the extremists that would be Sagrera. They'd be almost more, like, anarchists and, like, yeah. willing to do anything to be free of the Empire's hold. And then I imagine you probably even have people that are even further beyond the empire yeah. that we don't ever see, but that are like willing to do anything to control absolute power. That's some general you could, yeah, destroy planets. Yeah. yeah. But then like that gets, because that's who Saw Gerrera is and that's who Galen knew and that's who he knew to go to, that Bodhi as somebody who was working for the empire and stuff like that when he gets there like they're not gonna listen to him because it's just like that's who you were and they don't even care that he's like trying to do something good at that point mm-hmm. yeah they don't trust him so they no, have to they like trust they have all. to drain his brain of all the brain juice the brain which to is see if they can trust him i'd safe to say pretty extremist yeah yep that they're using this giant what is it called i don't remember what it's called i don't either but I like I don't know. Ooh, is it like Ooblock or Ooh? It's like um, it's something like that. I'm trying to find it. It doesn't I mean, matter. Sagrera <laughs> has the right to be paranoid. He even like he said he yeah. says it like we had this pilot show up today. Now we have you. Is this a trap? Yeah. Like, did they send you? Mm-hmm. And uh, and then then they get the message from I forgot his name. Galen. Galen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. From Galen or so. And then, like, this entire time, you have it to where Jen thinks she's a part of this plot to go and save Galen and bring him back so that way he can be a part of mm-hmm. fulfilling his plan to take down the Death Star and take down the Empire from being an insider and working for them and stuff like that. And then, this entire time, Cassian has this other the other orders to kill him on sight. Yeah. Yep. Kill him on sight. And that's just more character development for Cassian to where when he doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, Jen still gets mad at him at the, at, eventually to yeah. where he's just like, he's like, but I didn't pull the trigger. And then like, just their dynamic back and forth of like mm-hmm. the entire movie where they basically don't trust each other and then once they get on Scarif they have no choice but to trust each other. But yeah. So do we wanna so we've kinda talked a lot about characters. Um I think the the biggest part of the movie and the most iconic part of the movie is the the final battle, really. Like there's a bunch of stuff going on 
leading up to that, but it's really just them finding out I mean, that the yeah. plans are on Scarif. And and you get to see partial of the Death Star's power mm-hmm. for them. This is not a fully. Yep, they're they're testing it. Yeah, and they're testing it. With we get the, we the get like little bits of Darth Vader throughout the movie. Ooh, yes. And stuff, which is really cool. The best the best pun of all time. Don't choke on your aspirations. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I was yes. watching it in my in. I was talking back and forth with my friend Michael, and he was just like, yeah, I'm not a big fan of Darth Vader making puns. Hey. And I was like, I like it. I mean, <laughs> he is a, it he is, is Anakin a, he's Skywalker. He's like, a father. Yeah. He's got to throw us in dad jokes sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> he, he just doesn't know he's a dad at this point, really. Like, he thinks both of his kids died, right? Yes. So... But I'll just, I just Anyways. remember watching it for the first time, and he said that, and then, like, Krennic's, like, choking, and I was just like, this is amazing. This, this I was <laughs> like, this is awesome. And I was like, just hey. seeing Darth Vader just be like, yeah, you're, like, one of, like, a high-ranking officer in the Empire, but, like, I'm still Darth Vader, so shut up. Hey, yeah. <laughs> just, I can imagine you thinking, this is amazing. This is an awesome Darth Vader scene. The best that's going to happen out of this movie. <laughs> and then it shows up later. We're gonna talk about that. For we'll get to we that. are gonna yeah. talk about that for all. Yes. That's why I'm trying to get to the. <laughs> You're just trying stuff. to get there, because <laughs> oh, I know we're gonna be there for a while. Um, yeah. One of the other things I like that happens just before we get to Scarif is when they show the demonstration of the Death Star technology and like the fact that it can like destroy the planets and stuff like that, but they just use it on like the one city. Mm-hmm. That's when Tarkin is just like, "All right, good work, Krennic. This is my thing now." And yes. basically, like, boots him out and is just, like, going to take the credit for everything he did, which just shows that Tarkin doesn't care. And that's how he just mm-hmm. keeps leveling up in status to where he is in the original trilogy. I, since we're talking about Tarkin, I, I'll just mention, I don't really, I, I don't like how Tarkin looks in this movie. Well, I mean. Because, like, even when it came out in 2016, like, it just... I don't know. I feel like you could get away without having Tarkin in this movie, and probably and be could've. fine. Yes. I just I, putting him in there is definitely kind of like a fan servicey thing, so that we like people recognize him. But it's like, I just I don't I mean, know how I feel also, about dragging a a dead person's likeness into a movie. Like part of that just doesn't sit with me, which is why I didn't like it very much in um, Rise of Skywalker with Carrie Fisher. But it's like it just feels weird to me and he just looks he does off off, you know and i don't i don't love that like i feel like you the movie you the movie works without him uh from a story standpoint like you don't need him in there you don't need him in there but it kind of makes sense of how he got it does but we don't need to know that we don't need to know like the the dude dies on scarif i mean so so we know that someone's got to take over at some point I think at, it, at that point I think it makes sense to where Krennic is the main bad guy of this movie and he's so involved in this storyline because they're trying to steal the plans for the thing that he was in charge of. Mm-hmm. But when we see in episode 4 Tarkin's the one that's giving the fire woman when ready command and stuff like well, that, but and it's his thing. Yeah. So you have to see the transition I don't between do. how it well, went from Krennic. Well, to okay. Tarkin. But what I was saying so is, I don't think you need to because Krennic dies on Scarif, so someone has to take over. So like, if Tarkin's not in this movie, I don't think anyone questions. Well, how does how does that Tarkin make, get into power? It's like no, he was just sense, already an official. But I think it's better okay. to show that Tarkin did it with like 
where he's just gonna steal it right out from under him. And I know, wasn't I, but even I'm saying I don't think I'm saying the movie effectively it, it works the exact same way whether he's in it or not. Okay, but in all fairness, this is a great movie, but this movie itself doesn't need to exist. Like it's a great movie and it's an amazing well, movie. I figured we were gonna talk about this in solo, but I was telling this to Joe. I said if you're gonna go down that rabbit hole and say that it doesn't need to exist, no Star Wars after the first one needs to exist. Yeah, like none of them technically have to exist. We were joking about it yesterday. I was like, why do movies exist at all? We it's like, like we movies don't need, don't need to exist. So, exactly. I, like, so I don't think you can general. make so making that argument but is kind of silly. But, I mean, it's, it's still your argument of it's not necessary for being like. We have what happened. We don't need this. Well, I'm saying, like, it's not that, like, the plot element of him being in there isn't necessary. I'm saying, like, dragging a dead actor's likeness into a movie isn't necessary. His family said it was okay. I know, but it's still weird. <laughs> Does that not, like, seem a little weird to you I mean, guys? Yes, like, it's a little it's weird. It's fine, but, but like... it is, but it is just, it's just. It's just weird. I, like, I don't it mind it. It's weird, but I like it. It's fine. Yeah, so. It's fine. Yeah. It works for the story, and it, it looks off. It's just, I just... Personally, I'm like, you know, I'm fine if he's not in the movie. We, he is. That's what we've got. It works. Like, he it explains the story and stuff. Yes, but it's and like... It, and it gives us a little bit more. But it's like... What this do entire we, movie We don't necessarily did. need that. Like, I don't know. It's whatever. That was all I was going to say about Tarkin. It's just that... I, I really don't like his animation, which is just part of... They were still perfecting the technology at that time to be able to do it. Like, now they're at the point where they can do it really well. But they were still perfecting the technology i don't think then. we talked about it in the episode last week but i remember you saying when they in episode nine when there's the luke and leia training flashback mm-hmm. you said that that looked really good the luke luke looks really good Leia's kind of eh, but luke looks really good i'll give him that i was about to say you were like they perfected it. i was like leia kind of looks off in episode nine yeah she looks off but i think it's just because the way the light is hitting but Luke looks really yeah, Luke, good. Luke, Luke it's looks insane. Good. I'm just going to say, if you think that looks good, you have Tarkin to thank because this is when Star Wars started doing that. Yeah. So, Well, well Disney we Disney it. started perfecting it and trying to figure it out. And then they they really figured it out when they de-aged um, Sam, Sam Jackson in uh, Captain Marvel. That's true. That was when yeah. they... They're, they're really starting to like really like crank out de-aging and like that with people. Because I think they're going to start doing that a lot more in movies. So we could have gotten Harrison been... Ford in Solo. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we couldn't have. No, he's... That would have been so weird. It I don't think been. I would have liked really that. Weird. Plus, he's just not as agile as he once was, you know? <laughs> he, he, can't, he couldn't do like the action sequences. Yeah, he couldn't do he the just stunts. Couldn't. So let's but, talk uh, about... We need to talk about Scarif. We're, Scarif. We're, we're really getting into this thing now. Yeah. So... Which there's a lot so they that go is out, happening on Scarif. They go out when they get to Scarif, they use the call tag Rogue One. Which no, I think that's is... before. That's when they're trying to leave the Rebel base. Well, yeah, that's when they're yeah. going to Scarif. Yeah, yeah. But I like that. I think it's a really cool name for them to get the title. And Rogue yeah. Two is in um, one of the original trilogy. Someone's got the call sign Rogue Two. I just remember whenever we were watching through it, someone used the call sign Rogue Two, and I was like, oh, that's cool. I don't even remember that. Yeah, it that's was cool. Maybe it was a that new makes hope. me like this even more. That's but, really cool. But that's where they. I think that's where they pulled the name Rogue One from was because Rogue Two was used in one of the original trilogies. Someone had the call sign Rogue Two. I think like it was a legacy of yeah. this mission type I, thing. I, I okay. think it was in A New Hope, but I don't remember. But I remember hearing it when we were watching. I was like, oh, that's cool. But I did not. I did not hear that. That's good to know, though. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was in there. I could have misheard it, but I'm pretty sure somewhere it was Rogue Two. But anyways, 
So Scarif is a really cool set piece. Oh yeah. With like the beach planet and everything like that, and then like the palm trees and everything, mm-hmm. like something we've never seen before in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So, I love the original location. The set is really cool. It is a very. It's a very good set. And then like for like the type of like ground warfare type of way that they were gonna shoot and like do the rest of the movie, where like it's all like the ground troops, like the storm troopers, and then the walkers and everything like that. It was a really cool set piece for that, too. That decision was cool. So Rogue 2 was a call sign for the Rogue Squadron and the Battle of Hoth. So in Empire, um, the Rogue 2 was shot down by an AT-AT. So, That's pretty sick. In case okay. you're, That was where I heard it. So it's in the Battle of Hoth. Okay. They got Rogue 2 call sign. That's fun. Yeah. I thought it was cool. But anyways, sorry. I, I just looked it up because I needed to know where it was. All right. So we got a bunch of people on Scarif. Yep, a lot, lot of stuff happening. And we have the battles outside on, like, the landing pads and stuff far away from the tower. What's um, going on in the tower? Jin and, Jin and Cassian and, K- and K2 are going up into the tower mm-hmm. to go try to retrieve the plans. Mm-hmm. And then we also have everything going on outside of the, the shields and everything when the rest of the Rebel Alliance mm-hmm. decided to when show up. When they all up, show up. Which is cool. So we've got, like, the intercutting between all of the different things going on. It's done so well. It is. It's really good because it's all happening at the same time, but in a linear fashion. And, like, it cuts from one to the other so fast, but you still track what's happening. Mm-hmm. Even then, though you miss large chunks. Because you'll mm-hmm. go from this dude fighting at this part, and then later they're fighting at some other part. But the, the way they got there was explained in another scene. Or yeah. something, and it just you, like the way you, they put it together is really crazy. I really like the scene with the explosions, like mm-hmm. they're in the comp tower, and you can see they're looking at the beach, mm-hmm. and you see just the explosions happening yeah. on every single pad, and then even like the scene where uh, the pilot is is radioing in. This is pad five. This is pad eight. Like in mm-hmm. coming in a different. That pad. was so good. I forgot that that happened. I really liked that where they were like fake calling in that they were being overwhelmed rebels yeah. to make yeah. them think that there were more. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's good. And then one of the things is that um, interconnects like the three different points of the battle and stuff like that is that is the line of communication where he's talking to the pilot and then the pilot's trying to get the communication up to everybody that's outside of the shield and everything mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And all of that needs to happen by the time they get the plans so it's all of it's the time crunch mm-hmm. of they're getting overrun they're getting overrun up above and need to get the shield down and we're about to have these plans so y'all better be ready when we get these plans because we're gonna have a very small amount of times to get all this mm-hmm. information out like him plugging in and then them having to switch it yeah mm-hmm. yeah and then k2so sacrificing himself to is pretty the, great lock the to lock doors. the door mm-hmm I love the little um, the joke when she gives him the blaster. We'll call back to earlier in the movie. Yeah. And then one of the things I love is that even though they're they aren't really on screen together, but you can always feel like how genuine the relationship was between Jen and her dad, and like how strong that connection was throughout the entire movie. Mm-hmm. And then when he's going through and he's reading all the like, yeah, it's Stardust. all the names mm-hmm. of all the different files and then she says Stardust and she's just like that's it and he's like how do you know and she's like cuz it's me mm-hmm. i was just like i was like this is perfect but can we can we can we so good. roll back just a little bit to talk about the names 
just to talk about the names, you got stuff like hyperspace tracking, which comes in in episode eight. You got Black Saber, which if you know what the Black Saber is, it's just oh, so good. I wasn't even listening to what the other ones are. So no. if you're listing these off, I, I, you could say anything and I would take your word for it at this point. <laughs> no, no. So if, you like if, baby Yoda, and I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> if you if you watch them, if you watch that scene again, they list off a bunch of stuff, and it's just it's cool little neat like things to see. That's how you do fan service. Fan service that's just passively there that doesn't take time away from the plot. That's like just cool hints to fans. It's like you but get you're it not having or to you dedicate don't get time. it and it's yeah. just yep. seamlessly it's, it's written not, into the It's not the dedicating it's not dedicating 5 seconds of screen time to Ewoks for no reason. You know, this is like just it's happening and it's part of the universe, you know? Like that's good fan service. Cuz we ran a lot about fan service last week, so I kind of yeah. Got to bring it back with that. I don't know why you don't like Ewoks. I like I like Ewoks. <laughs> I just don't think it was necessary to include them. They were only included so people would be like, oh, I know those guys. Those are Ewoks. I was like, I'm proud of you, Star Wars fan. You knew that those were Ewoks. Yeah, but I like seeing Ewoks. Any chance I get to see an Ewok, I'm happy. This is the differing opinions about yes. Star Wars that I love. <laughs> this is what I like to see. <laughs> what I love to see, this. <laughs> Uh, I also think the mechanism that they have where it's like the two like arms to like go up and get the files. I so think. inefficient. It's very inefficient. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's so, it's inefficient. so inefficient for them to retrieve stuff. It's like, like that's really, so stupid. It's like really weird, but it bakes for a cool movie thing to where it's, it's like, cool, but of like, course it's going to break and they're going to have to climb it but, because like that's sick. It is. It's cool. <laughs> but my question is like from a, re- a realism standpoint. So like it's circular. So if there's a file way up on the backside that you can't see, how do you navigate over there you can't see Bro, it. and like the window is this big like i, I yeah. exactly and like it goes so far down and so far up that you wouldn't be able it, to it see doesn't, files like there's not and there's not even like a screen to show you like when you're close there like if it was if it was like a mech like there was a screen beside you and you could see where you were navigating up and everything okay maybe that'd be like that'd make it make more sense but it's like no you have to physically look up through the glass and drive and wait, the little thing to grab and you can't the file. tell me that they he could just hit the file <laughs> it start blinking and it go and get the file like that's yeah. so much and it just has to manually it's just like, he's it gotta was just manually funny. do it but also like they're really lucky that that file was close to them and it wasn't way way up there or <laughs> way way down like that's just movie convenience, that's just, yeah, but convenience. but still, I just I thought that was funny. It's a cool set piece. Hey, it's also, not super hey, practical, but it's cool really for the set. I guess. Name Stardust, like that's that's a pretty lucky thing. Yeah, but I mean, I think he did that. I think. Um, I mean, you were saying there name? was other ones where like the file names were like pretty much directly what would have been in the file, but yeah. like. With that one, like, it's the Death Star plans, and, like, the Death Star was a pretty big deal. And it was supposed to be a secret. It's supposed to be, like, really under so wraps. He, he so he gave it, it a code, code name. name. Yeah, so he codenamed it, and I he codenamed it something that meant a lot to him, which was his daughter. So I don't I don't have a problem with that, necessarily. And I think he also codenamed it because he knew that it was his plan all along that she would be the one that found it. Because mm-hmm. the message was for her. Mm-hmm. For her and Saw. Because I, I think he thought she was still with Saw. Yeah. yeah. That was what he his his headcanon of where his daughter was because Probably. there's the whole thing to where she's like where she's mad at Saul because Saul abandoned her and stuff like that is mm-hmm. what she thinks happened yeah yeah but, but then they go back yeah, they, they get the little message they get to the top they have to align the the, the, the satellite disc 
Wait, yeah. what? Cassian hit like Cassian got, gets got shot, shot oh, and yeah. then like Fell. lands on a nice little thing to where he's you think I mean, he's you, just gonna be chilling there. I mean, you know he's alive, but like yeah. he also had to climb up there. Well, I mean, he could have died there, and you wouldn't have been surprised either. Yeah, like like if he would have died there, it would have been like, oh, yep, he's dead. Because I mean, at that point when it's closed, you know, it's at that at that moment, you know that they're not gonna get out. Like, you know yeah. that they're not getting out alive. They're just doing it as a last-ditch effort. Because mm-hmm. they've already kind of established that they're not going to get out of there alive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, I wouldn't have been surprised if he died there. But, yeah. you know. And then they hop, and then she, like, goes into the tube where it has the little closing and opening vent door. Yeah. Um, which I don't understand. <laughs> but I don't know. You know, it's there. You know, it. we need some extra... Tension. Some extra dramatics in it, but, can, but it's not, not even that dramatic. It's just a second. She gets through it with very, hey, very hey, easily. Hey, but Cassian, <laughs> the hurt guy that just got his, probably broke his legs from the fall, broke his back from the fall because he he landed on a like a metal beam first and then fell. Uh, Maybe he just took the elevator. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> he just went the other way. Yeah. I'll give you that. Obviously, he obviously went the other way. Come yeah, on, there's, Connor. There's a, my bad. I'm just sorry. pay more attention, please. Okay. They yeah, didn't they, show that part of the movie. But yeah, they or get the they, they get the message out basically. They do, you know. Yeah. Okay, so one thing maybe I missed it in the movie, but how do they get to the beach? They take the elevator down. They take the okay because because I I totally I might have just like not been paying attention to that bit, but one second they're up on the top of the satellite and then the next second they're on the beach and I was just really confused how there's, they got there so fast. There's literally a scene of them in the elevator. Okay, and, then I might have been on my phone during that. And it's Jen like carrying Cassian. <laughs> yeah, and then they barely stand. And then they go to the beach, and then they, they die. They die. Yeah. 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 They get exploded. Mm-hmm. But they did. But it, then, they got they got the they got it up there, and then it happens. Yeah. You know they're, they're every all the uh the rebel ships are zooming away, and then they, you got one star destroyer to show up, and that's Darth Vader star destroyer. Mm-hmm. Bruh. When and then Darth Vader it gets says, to setting up the next. When Darth Vader says movie, yeah. Get me a boarding party. You know it's about to go you, down. Yeah, you know it's about to go down. Oh, it's so good. It was so good. And then the, the door doesn't work. It's not even open. And it goes hitch black and you just... It's the best Star Wars scene. It oh, just it really is. is. It really just is. Because, like, this movie, in the short amount of time that Vader's on screen, you see him absolutely intimidate to the point where he's almost going to kill one of his highest ranking officers that's responsible for the achievement that he's trying to make for the emperor which is the death star mm-hmm. he's trying to he's partially in charge of the death star and he's trying to do that to impress the emperor mm-hmm. that's one of the things he's about mm-hmm. and then krennic is like hey i've got great news this thing's working really well and he's like all right cool but chill out and then we finally just get to see Vader just go crazy on some people because go we really never see road. it. And it's so good. It's so good. It's it's really that that's the first time that Vader really is Anakin. Like yeah. like we actually see like what Anakin would do as Vader. Yeah. Because like his power as Anakin Skywalker isn't really established in the original trilogy. You really start to see it. That's where you see it is in the prequels, and so like because the prequels came later, there's just that weird disconnect of time, you know, mm-hmm. which is another like one of my problems with that. 
I, I don't think the prequels were necessary because now it, it like looks weird, you know, having it go from the prequels into the original trilogy because it's like, oh, Darth Vader is not as strong as he was. But like this shows you, yeah, he is. Those movies are just old. Yeah. It's yeah. like it's like you just got to like he actually is that powerful. Hey. It's a but really, it's a, it's a really cool. If, if you don't know what movie. scene we're talking about, literally just go to like. First off, why are you listening to this? Second off, <laughs> even know. if even if you have seen it before, go right now. Go to YouTube, look at that scene, watch that scene again. It's such a great scene. You just look up Darth Vader Rogue One, and it'll yeah, be there. <laughs> it'll be there, but him tearing through just everybody. I don't understand. The one thing I didn't understand about that is he like he obviously sees this guy trying to get something through the door, and he just doesn't like pull him towards him. Like, he's like, I'm going to... I don't know. He's busy mowing people down. I don't know if he necessarily yeah. saw the, the plan as much as... Because he's sitting, he's just fighting all these people that are shooting at him. That's true. He's he's having a grand old time just murdering really people, is. bro. He's having like, a great time. Yeah. <laughs> In my mind, I've decided that I will never criticize that scene ever because it is absolutely perfect. <laughs> well, that's not a way to approach anything, but all right. <laughs> that's how I approached this scene. Hey, but then, this movie. but then right after... Right after he passes the plans through it. His lightsaber goes through the door and he's yeah. like already tearing the door open mm-hmm. to go, go into the next room and they barely get away. And he's just standing over the opening and just like looking at yep. it. Like the ship drops and, the and ship it's, it's out. where new hope starts. Yeah, and and it's like, they set it up really good there. They did. Like they really it's, did. it's pretty seamless. The beginning of that to the opening. Shot. And, and it's that explains great. how, how they get, um, Leia onto the death star so fast as well. Mm-hmm. It's cause like, the Death Star's right there. Yeah. Like, it's on the planet. It just... Oh, no, they just It just away. blew up. They light-speeded away. The... Carrie Fisher ship? Yeah. I didn't think they light-speeded. It just looked no, like they, they were cruising. They had, no, no, they had to... They have to light-speed away because they have to get to Tatooine. Oh, they do. They gotta get to Tatooine because that's where mm-hmm. R2 and C-3PO get dropped. They light-speed yeah. away. Yeah. Yeah. But the... But... The Death Star could also... It could go there, too. Could yeah. go there. Yeah. Which, I mean... Yeah, I, I didn't think about that. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Because they're over by ta- near Tatooine. Yeah, it does say that it jumps to hyperspace at the end. Yeah. That was the last shot of the movie. Yeah. And then And it's... then I... Go. I don't know about y'all, but I, I liked seeing Princess Leia at the end. Yeah. I think it was a little... Even though she looks weird, I think it... It works. It's kind of cheesy. The, like, the hope line or whatever. But I mean, it's, it's, I know, but it's, like... You know, it's whatever. Hey, that's a good nod to... A new hope. I, I know that's yeah. exactly that's why like, I said it's, it's cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's also it's that's, cheesy, that's a that's a theme of like, this movie. It's cheesy. It's but okay. It definitely works. It's okay because yeah. it's a theme of Rogue One. That one of the big themes of this movie was like rebellions are built on hope. You know yeah. that's that's a whole thing. So it it's whatever. It's fine. It is what it is. It is what it is. But also, um, Carrie Fisher was alive when that happened. So I'm like more okay with that because she approved it. You know, yeah, and she actually did the voice for it, mm-hmm. and like, like that was actually her, and then they just de-aged, you know, and did the CGI. Yeah, and that the difference between that and Tarkin is like, Tarkin, it was like just he wasn't alive, you know, and that's the difference for me. But okay. it doesn't really matter. I mean, it we got what we got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's the movie. That is um, the movie. I guess we we end with the age old question. Uh, has this changed its place on your list? I know, Joe, it, if anything, it went up on yours. <laughs> I mean, I like, it's, I'll say pretty confidently that it is the best movie since Disney took over Star Wars. I like it better than Solo, and I like it better than any of the other sequel movies. 
I would agree mm. with that. Um, I would say this is in this is my A tier. I believe I had it in my B tier, but this this is going up to A tier, mm-hmm. top of A tier. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it moved that, into A tier for like me. Hey, this is the content I like to see right here. I think I had it in B tier. I don't remember. Um, but it definitely goes up into A. I think I disagree with you on it being the best Disney movie, just because I like Force Awakens a lot. I know you're a big Force Awakens guy. So I, I felt like you were so, gonna say that. So I might. I, I'm trying to think through what my. I'm trying to think through what my tiers list is gonna be. I'll have to put it together. I'm gonna have to think about it, but like, it's definitely up there because like my top four movies are, Empire, Force Awakens, Jedi, and Rogue One for sure. So I just don't know what order i'm putting them and which ones are s tier and which ones are a tier but it's definitely up there it's really good um i wish the movie i don't know it part of the problem for me though is because it's an isolated story and there's so many characters is that like i don't remember any of the characters names i (laughs) and that's it's just because like the movie doesn't make you care about the character's (laughs) name like it's the characters are you, you get the characters but it's like you don't really care about the majority of the characters as much as you care about characters that you get over a long period of time. And that's just kind of one of the problems with, a, you know, just a singular movie. But I think it's okay. You know, it's what the movie's going to be. But I think that's my biggest problem with movies. I feel like some of the characters, I think the characters could have been developed more. But there's just, you know, not enough time. Which is the problem of just one movie. But like... Yeah, I don't know any of the characters' names except for like a few of them. I think no matter that, how many times I watch it, I won't remember their names because it doesn't matter in the movie. Like, <laughs> true enough. I, I can I can agree with that to an extent, but like, I just think the fact that like the characters aren't like super memorable just goes to show that like there's so many people that have been a part of this rebellion type of thing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that like every single person like plays like their part. Is how I would think about yeah, it. Yeah, the, the the characters not being memorable works if you're looking at the grand scheme of the Skywalker saga yeah. and where it fits its place in. But if you're looking at it as just a singular movie, that's not good. Because, <laughs> like, when you leave a movie, you want your characters to be memorable, at least your main characters. And I feel like the characters in this but, like, movie really are But, like, I think really that's aren't. also just, like, differing opinion to where, like... Maybe. For me, like, I know the characters because... Well, yeah, you watch it a lot. Yeah. As someone who's... Yeah. Who casually has seen it maybe four times you know like yeah because i don't you know it's not my go it's never been my go-to star wars movie but also star wars movies aren't like my go-to movie a lot of times i was about to say i was like Like, i don't just watch star wars movies all the time i really have a go-to star wars movie and they wouldn't be my go-to anyway yeah but (laughs) so we did an entire summer about them yes we did (laughs) so yeah that way i can get my star wars fixed for the next couple years until the next trilogy comes out Yeah. yeah (laughs) <laughs> I'll be watching them about the same time again next year or so. Or Mandalorian Season 2. I'm actually yeah. really excited for that. That'll be cool. I'll watch too. that. I'm hey, actually my really man, excited for that. My man, um, Bane Organa is in this. He is. He is. That's a good I little... Do, that is a good little cameo. That's little... That's... Like, Passive fan good. service that's good. Yes. That was another example no, of that. It. To where it just... And that was, and that was like... seamlessly into and, dialogue. And to the prequels. Like, that's a that's a... That ties it back to the prequels. There's a lot of stuff that it ties it prequels, forward. It goes prequels yeah. and sequels. It fits and, it really good. Um, it also, original. Also, it's uh, really good. Tied in uh, the two thugs. 
The one that got his arm chopped off. Yeah, so that was mm-hmm. fan service that wasn't necessary, but it, it's fine. But it's like, I was just like, why is he there? <laughs> and then it also gave us R2-D2 and C-3PO. They're in the movie. Yes, that's because well, they're in everyone. They're not. Except yeah. for Solo, right? They're not in Solo. Yeah, they're not they're, in Solo. but they, they fit them into all of them. It's fine, though. Like, it makes sense that they're there. It yeah. does. It really does make sense that they're there. Like, Well, because, I mean, they're there at the start of A New Hope, exactly. so... So it, it's, you know, it's fine. Mm-hmm. So that's Rogue One. Uh, yeah. We've only got one more movie to go. Wow. Which is crazy. It's, um, it's Han Solo too. Yes, it is. So I'm Han Solo. It made you sound like it was like a sequel to Solo. <laughs> it's you Han said, Solo 2. It's Han Solo 2. And I was like, I was like they made another one? Yes, no. they did. Um, so yeah, make sure you tune in next week for our final episode of our Summer of Star Wars Thank series. Goodness. It's been a long I'm, one. I'm, I'm burnt out with Star Wars. It's been a lot of Star Wars, and it's been difficult because of quarantine and recording has been very difficult. We've run into a lot hey, of been, um, hiccups and stuff. It's so. been fun getting back together. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be recording yeah. in person again. Uh, but thank you for listening, regardless of how bad it has sounded over the past several weeks and just problems we've had. We appreciate you. We, we appreciate you very much for listening. If you don't already, follow us on Instagram at The Actor Podcast. And make sure you're following us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. And that's a wrap. Right.